ready to file a Title IX lawsuit against Rick Berman. It's Major Please, Heinous Trip of War 5. My name is Joseph. I, too, appreciate starships that don't have door locks. I'm your co-host, Peter. Peter, what episode of Star Trek did we watch this week? Uh, I'm not ready to go there yet. Oh, you need, need a, do we need a moment? <laughs> do you need, need time? I need to go back to fucking Extinction, which was so terrible that somehow... I forgot as we were as we were shitting all over it as I was shitting all over it two key quotes I meant to bring up okay so extinction which uh is my front runner for the worst episode of this season and I think I might even consider it for being worse than precious cargo oh I I absolutely disagree but go on well I got two people backing me up on this one. All right. First one, according to Trek Web, LeVar Burton, who directed that piece of shit, went to the producers and told them he was, quote, ashamed that he had directed this episode. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. I, too, would feel shame. Ten years after this episode aired, Bran Braga called Extinction, quote, one of the singularly most embarrassing episodes of Star Trek I've ever been involved with. Okay, that one I think is a, a bit of a reach. It's, it's the truth. It's the truth. That, the I truth mean, hurts, and that episode fucking hurt my face to watch. Precious, not only is Precious Cargo manifestly worse than Extinction, I think that a, a Night in Sick Bay was worse. I think that there's a half dozen episodes of Voyager that are worse. It's bad. I simply think that the bad we have experienced across the 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 breadth of our reviews there are some choice examples that are certainly worse than extinction i think extinction at least had an interesting idea and it had commitment on the part of the actors to try and deliver it was a spectacular failure but i i will grant so much grace to something that tries <laughs> over something uh that is just lazy and bad well while we're still there real quick uh because I do want it to become a tradition that we stick with. Did you have any uh, after the fact Star Trek stand? I'm sorry, Starfleet standard operating procedures you wanted to add for extinction? Yeah, what would you add, Peter? This is your bit. What would you add? Uh, in times of senior officer mutation, feral mutations, uh, you are authorized to use the experimental transporter technology to retrieve uh, wayward comrades. So uh, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up before we get into this episode, since you're not ready and you need time. Mm -hmm. I won the vote on the season. You didn't win the vote. I won the vote. The the results are in and I won by a crushing 57 to 43% majority. You did. If this were a presidential election, they call that a landslide, Peter. They call that a landslide because I won. First of all, okay, and stop me if you heard this one before. Okay. But Facebook interfered in the election. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we claiming election interference? Is, I don't, is... I've never seen a, uh, a poll. I posted that poll uh, from the mobile app. I've never seen there be a time duration on a poll before. It's the, the, it's, it, it's the, the default. Is, is to it? have a time duration. Yes, really? it is. Hmm. Yes, it is. I'm sorry that you didn't know how your poll 
worked. But well, I also see that when I went to click, election day was over. I was victorious when I went to go click and see what the results were for people who were voting that it was uh, season three's intro was worse than one and two. Not only did it not show me who voted for what, it removed my fucking vote. And when I tried to click back, it said I wasn't able to vote in that anymore. Are you saying that your voting machine didn't work? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that Zuckerberg <laughs> fucked this vote. That's why I, I emailed him on the DL. I mm-hmm. needed to make sure that the, the, the votes were properly counted and you weren't an eligible voter. Yeah. Okay. That's why you were removed. You know? No, I think in reality it was about 50-50 because we had a couple people chime off in the comments that didn't get a chance to vote either. Um, now, you know, in reality, comparing the season one and two intro to the season three intro is like saying, uh, you can, which get, brand of turpentine is the most delicious, uh, which, which, uh, which foot would you rather get kicked in the dick with <laughs> now? The right foot is the dominant foot. So you can kick harder with that, but the left shoe has dog shit on it. <laughs> so you can pick. You can pick your poison and I mean, neither is good, but one is still better than the other is the way I would describe it. You know, six, one half dozen, the other man, it's, it's bad. And unfortunately season three is badder. This episode, however, we're moving into episode three. I'm sorry. uh, Episode four of season three. Rajan. This uh, first aired October 1st, 2003. Teleplay by Brett Friedman and Chris Black. Story by Paul Brown and Brett Friedman. So Black and Brown. Interesting there. Directed by Mike Viger, who has been around the block several times now. I'd like to correct the record on something here. I mentioned at the close of our episode last week that the guest star here, the actress, was a Playboy model. I was slight, I was a little off on that. Her mom was the Playboy at, uh, model. Uh, Nikita Agar is the name of the actress. And uh, as far as you and I have been able to determine, she has kept her clothes firmly on over the course of her acting career, which apparently ended sometime in the mid-2010s. And she's a real estate agent now in Florida, I believe. <laughs> you know what? That seems like a... a Fantastic job to get into after a, a, a D minus acting career. It's like exactly the thing to do. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, the lady who plays uh, uh, Esri Dax is also a real estate agent, but in Los Angeles. <laughs> Come to think of it, it's the Trek actor thing, I suppose. And 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 just real quick, it's this is Memory Alpha too. We're talking here, right? Mm-hmm. Nikita Ager is the actress who played Rajan in Star Trek Enterprise third season episode Rajan. Next paragraph. She is the daughter of Playboy model Barbara Ager. Like, how the fuck are you going to lead someone's personal bio with that? Like, that's the most important thing to say about the Star Trek guest actor is like, her mom showed her boobs. Well, (laughs) it's shitty. And um, well, this episode's all about her. Really, and what I, uh, you and I uh, were discussing this episode in advance, and I came up with a way to describe the phenomenon. Uh, and uh, I, I, we used, we were, we were, were comparing it to the phrase late stage capitalism. Because late stage capitalism is a phrase to describe how like 
in the modern era, you often have these circumstances that seem to be uh, pseudo value generating enterprises within capitalism that don't seem to be generating value at all demonstrates that perhaps they're just, the system is, requires reform uh, or significant change because what it's doing right now is just grinding its gears and, and not being particularly effective at what it's supposed to do and instead relying on weird, weird uh, uh, niche things to try and uh, propel itself forward despite itself. This is late stage Berman era Trek right here. This is, we're at it. We are fucking bankrupt on ideas. We don't know what to do to capture an audience attention. So we're going to go all the way in on boobs. This is just going to be an episode about boobs, about titties, about sensual touching, about a lot of close talking, a lot of face rubbing, a lot of innuendo. And we're going to make that the reason why people watch the show. And it's just never a good look for Star Trek. And it never will be. But as time went on, they just went more and more and more into this. And this might really be the peak right here. The Twin Peaks. Yeah. I was going to suggest that we label this episode Night Trap in honor of the Sega CD full motion video. Yes. That caused that along with Mortal Kombat caused quite a bit of uh, congressional uh, attention on the video game industry because Night Trap was about a bunch of women in scantily clad nightgowns and lingerie running about a house while being chased by monsters, which is certainly the plot line that this follows along. But in light of your uh, little oversight in there as to the slippery slope that Enterprise is quickly going down, I think we might also consider for a title on this episode, just calling it for what it is, which is... uh, Guns and tits. <laughs> a lot of guns, yeah. a lot of gunfights, a lot of tits. It is what it is, man. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's still not the worst the show has given us, uh, but the rot is there. And uh, we do start on a pretty solid note. We start with another uh, Terminus Systems Legion of Doom meeting. and. We've got this guy who's apparently in charge of making whatever this weapon is that they're developing to destroy Earth. His name is Degra. He is one of the more human looking of the Zindi. And he's talking about how he's had a setback that apparently his lab exploded that he was using to develop this stuff. And he makes quite an impassioned argument to his fellow Legion members to like, yeah, uh, Making a weapon that destroys a planet, it's fucking hard, guys. It's going to be dangerous. We all knew that. I need more time to be able to put this thing together. And as uh, the 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 insects and the reptiles who are clearly... The, if, if these are all bad guys, they're definitely the worst guys. <laughs> are like, we need to develop the other weapon. We need to, we need to create plan B. We need to do the bioweapon. We need to hit him with the mustard gas instead. I thought that plan B was we fly over and blow Enterprise up. Because the way that I've been reading this situation is that the plan is to develop the Death Star to its full potential. That the initial attack on Florida and Brazil or Argentina, whatever it was, was a 
test of the super lasers capabilities. And, <clears throat> you know, it was pretty good. Uh, but they need to keep working on it. And in the interim, Enterprise has showed up and started snooping around and kind of the silly turn of events. The Zindi don't just fucking stomp them out. And something I'm going to complain about later in the episode and really focus on is clearly the Zindi have a technological superiority to Earth's best. And we will see that black and white demonstration uh, as Enterprise is raided. Uh, but for right now, they're like, let's just ignore Enterprise, wait and see if they're doing recon. There might be an attack fleet following ahead, and we don't want to like tip them off where we're at. Yeah, at I think point, that's the, the key rationale is they're hidden. No one knows where the Zindi is. And they feel like if they tip their hand too hard in taking on Enterprise, that they could reveal their location and suddenly Earth and all of his, their homies could like show up and fuck them up. Well, let's talk about that, because now there's an interesting consequence. Let's call it that. Clearly, the Legion of Doom has an eye on Enterprise's activities, and they are not simply flying over and blowing Enterprise up because, like you said, if Enterprise quits phoning home, then Earth is going to be like, that must be where the Zindi are. Send everything over there and let's go fight. So what I would like to see is some sort of an episode come down the pipe where like more space pirates, because they've been up to this point, it's extinction was not really ship threatening. Like that could have killed Archer, but there's enough people on Enterprise report and say, yeah, he turned into a fucking werewolf and got attacked by flamethrowers. We had to shoot him with silver bullets. He's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the space pirate episode where we finally had someone die. And then what was before that? It was the, the, the mining opener. episode. Yeah. Which they were just going to be sold into slavery. That wasn't the Zindi coming to kill him. Um, there's other shit in the Delphic Expanse that might kill Enterprise. So I think it'd be cool to have like the Zindi being like, we can't let these dudes die under mysterious circumstances or it's going to look like we did it. And then everybody's going to come like to see like Zindi antagonist bodyguards just like hanging in the cut and be like, oh, you thought you were going to attack this fucking ship and kill him? No. Slap. And Enterprise being like, hmm, here's wreckage. This was a ship that was chasing us, you know, two weeks ago. And it seems like someone's blown them up. Who could be doing this? Who? Who could be our mysterious benefactors? I think it's less they don't want them to be destroyed and more that they don't want to destroy them themselves. Because if they do that, they really they leave too much potential evidence of their own involvement that could trace them back. And I, I think that they established that pretty well, actually, in the particularly in the first episode of like how difficult it's been to like find where the fuck these guys are to the point where like just the rumor of where one Zindi is was enough for them to just divert all of their energy into to finding the guy to get any information. Mm. So secrecy has been established as their best weapon. No one knows where they are. They have as much time as they, they need to make this thing as long as no one finds them. But lo and behold, an earth ship is sniffing around the perimeter and starting to pick up the trail a little bit here and there. So now we've got a time problem because if they get here before we're finished and they relate that information back home, the earth could interrupt us before we're actually able to launch this stuff. And maybe earth technology isn't good enough, but the threat we pose to them could easily draw in the Vulcans who are good enough to beat us. So 
I get it. I think it makes sense. Their caution makes sense. I agree, though, that they haven't been too explicit um, in, in, in that regard, but I feel like they did establish it at least within the continuity of this season. Looking around the Legion of Doom, uh, it's an interesting collection of monster people. And the first thing that stands out to me is that I don't recognize any of these. To my knowledge, all of these races are brand new. And for them all to be brand new means that ultimately none of these guys are going to turn out to be part of the Federation. So I have to wonder, is the Zindi Alliance? And I'm still being you know, this first time I'm, I'm watching this. I don't know if Zindi is a a coalition, like an anti-federation, like an evil federation. I don't know if like all these guys have the same genetic ancestor and they're all just like mutations of each other or what. But the fact that I've never seen any 24th century Star Trek involving any of these guys means that either uh, they are permaban from the federation (laughs) or ultimately by the end of Enterprise, something is going to happen that is going to create the self-fulfilling prophecy where the Zindi are eradicated and do not exist in any capacity in the 21st century. But uh, out of the group, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say they actually tried to address pretty much everything you just said. You know, like they're self-aware that like this is a prequel. If we're going to establish this weird circumstance, we need to figure out where, where these guys stand in the continuity we've already built. So. I'll be interested in on your take when they start revealing that information. Also, going around the Legion of Doom, I would say that the SeaWorld fish people are probably the most reasonable. Uh, and the, the the guys I would be the most likely to want to talk to at a party. Yeah, they seem real chill. It's floating in their tanks. Well, you, you know, know, they're they're reasonable. Like, hey, they're manatees. You know? you know, they just want to float around and get hit by propellers. The slightly murderous manatees that are like, listen, we knew there'd be setbacks. We got to just take it easy. We can't go out there and kill them just yet. Uh, And then there's the, I don't know if they're supposed to be reptilian. The green guys that by the end are the ones that actually hired Rajan. But it is impossible to look at these guys in any capacity whatsoever and not just see the bad guy from Galaxy Quest. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, low rent Galaxy Quest villain. He wasn't low rent. That guy actually looked way better than these dudes did. No, that's what I'm saying. These dudes are the low rent version, especially in the end. Like when you see their shock troops come on to enterprise and they're wearing like shiny purple jumpsuits. Yeah. They look like they're glitter. They look like they should be in a disco club. They look (laughs) like they should be in a fucking off Broadway, hokey sci-fi musical. When did galaxy quest come out and what year this so this is 2003 galaxy quest had to be 90s let's see here let's we it's a shame we don't remember this from when we reviewed it by the way that was a originally a patreon episode and if you like like our show and you'd like to subscribe to our patreon please do by the time you listen to this i can assure you there will be a review of reanimator that is a banger uh, and you should listen to it. it uh, there is filled with information, deep lore information on Peter and I's background that sort of illuminates why we do this anyway. And it's also a really fun discussion about a very interesting movie. So you should get, check that out. But Galaxy Quest is a movie from 1999. So the reptilian Zindi, I would say 
without a doubt, are a knockoff of Galaxy Quest. That's, I think that's fair. It was four years prior. And I would say their temperament fits what the bad guy in Galaxy Quest acted like. And that's some real, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, it's like when uh, Dave Chappelle did the Prince episodes. But <laughs> Charlie then Murphy's Prince, Real Hollywood Stories. But then Prince turned around and took Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince and made it his cover of an album. It's a, yes. Although the, the real unreasonable ones are clearly the Zordax, right? Zorak. Like, yes. Zorak. The Zorax. They're always just wanting to murder things. Yeah. Insects are some motherfuckers. It would be great if there was uh, just some magma men. So after the Legion of Doom is done talking, uh, we cut back to Enterprise, where I think the the very first thing is tripping to Paul having another touchy-feely session where they were doing Vulcan chiropractic shit. Speaking of hot and steamy magma men, Moltar, that's the name of them, back we go to this goddamn thing. Now, this time when Trip shows up, no crockpots full of raw peaches. No, it's all business except, you know, uh, Paul's still wearing children's clothing and and Trip doesn't have his shirt on. Which I want to talk about that. Okay. I'm glad you do. Are those pajamas? Or is that her, like, massage uniform that she has designated? Because if every time you go over to someone's house, they are wearing the exact same clothing, which just so happens to be a uh, child's small shirt with two buttons plenty of cleavage and all the floating ribs you can handle. I think you'd have to say what's going on here. Do you not have access to a washing machine? Why are you always wearing this? This is like her, her, her uh, ghee or something (laughs) to do Vulcan chiropractic with. I don't know. Do you think that, uh, to Paul would be willing to the the whole thing's fucking ridiculous. And I was thinking, I was listening to our, uh, episode for, I think it was episode two this season. How ridiculous it is that they are forcing this thing to happen because having them have been drawn together organically based on their uh, mutual traumatic events going on in their life and all the other good relationship building they did prior to this. Trying to sell us on the idea that DePaul's just helping a coworker fall asleep by uh, these intimate massages wearing lingerie is ridiculous would she do this for just you know for for crewmen um i don't know the security guys that were throwing everybody in the brig when the space ghosts were attacking this is uh trip's entire objection during the scene of like listen to paul i think everyone's starting to think we're fucking (laughs) yeah you think you think that's you go into her room every night while she's barely wearing clothes and you're barely wearing clothes. <laughs> Talking about how you're touching each other the whole time. You think people think you're fucking moaning and groaning and to which she replies. So what? Which. It doesn't seem logical. It doesn't seem rational. Even if you want to say like, well, it, it doesn't matter if. Others are gossiping as long as you're securing the medical care you need. You know, I, I'm willing to endure whatever this stupid human gossip is as long as this is working for you. Like, instead, she treats it very personally to say, who cares if people think we're fucking trip? Like, 
What you know, what does that matter, Trip? I mean, it's such a like not Vulcan response that she. You want these hands on them. you or not, Trip? You know, yeah, maybe the more reasonable reply would have been, uh, you know, perhaps we should relocate these sessions to sick bay. And then Trip be like, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be fine here. Like, could you imagine Flocks just in the background? Like, <laughs> touch each other some more. <laughs> oh, no, don't look at me, though. Don't involve me. Denoblian men are very don't shy. Look at when people look at me. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be Flocks in the fucking closet peeking through the slits. Furiously masturbating. After that, we get continuity, albeit not of something you wish for there to be continuity. But I kind of like that they like talk about it, which is archers have a difficulty Years. sleeping because he's he's still getting over being another species. Years of wishing that Voyager had any ability to follow up on a traumatic, fucking near death experience, and here I get it, and I'm like. You're wasting it on fucking extinction. <laughs> it's it caught me so off guard that as he wakes up from having his uh, bad dream, he turns on the lights. He looks in the mirror. He's covered in like space herpes. Yeah. One of which is right on the corner of his mouth and he scratches it off. And I was like, oh, my God, he's like, uh, yeah, he's got space herpes. And I'm trying to think in my head, like, who did? Archer actually bang. Is this from like the fucking Pokemon back on uh, Rogue Planet? Like, wh- what's he got the space clap from? Yennefer of the Olive Garden. That'd be a good one. I'd take yeah. it for that. Yeah. Uh, and then Flox is, you know, reminds us, oh no, if you'll recall, last episode was that god awful one that the director, LeVar Burton, disowned. That's just remnants from your crazy uh, four minute metamorphosis into a a chameleon man or whatever you were it's like fuck man i i feel like we can even go through enterprise and find like crazy weird like uh crewman stick brain who got all (laughs) i would have loved to follow up episode of him like looking in the mirror and like oh my god and like pulling a fucking twig out of his uh cheek or something or shit yeah oh boy Give me some fucking Cronenberg body horror there where, like, the dude shits a literal pebble. Well, you finally got the continuity you wanted. <laughs> now you want to send it back. <laughs> like, this burger's too done. <laughs> I love like, Archer. As for medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> Before Archer had a chance to get up and, like, scratch the space herpes off, he's, like, flinching and making these grunty noises. And I'm like, is Archer having an erotic dream? I can only assume that he's, like, having a wet dream of getting beaten about the face, neck and chest area. Well, we'll get to that. In fact, the next scene, <laughs> the next scene is the mission, which is they are headed to a, I, I don't know to call it like an aquatic planet. Well, hold on. Uh, we got a special shout out. We got to throw out here first. Oh yeah. Crewman Cutler's last uh, reference. That one caught me. I thought she died like between season one and season two, the actress. No, she. I mean, remember she was in season two. If what you recall, she? yeah. Where? I think it was early. I'm trying to. It's all floated. They in the backed back off her way faster. I mean, they were making it seem like in her uh, memory alpha entry that like they were really gearing her up to be like strong ancillary cast. And if they only showed her once in all of season two, and she was still alive, then playing this fucking card like, oh no, we had great, you know, huge plans for her. We we're gonna blow her up. Like that's bullshit. 
I mean, they did radically change things in season three. I could definitely see them deciding, like, oh, let's make use of the crewman Cutler because we've already introduced her. They already had a relationship with Phlox. Like, you know, let's lean into doing the continuity thing, right? Like, I could actually see that being true. But this is the last time she's mentioned on the show because, unfortunately, the actress dies a month later. Um, so uh, apparently she broke her arm off screen because of all of the uh, the anomalies that they're trying to get this Trillium D stuff to be able to counteract. Uh, so rest in peace to the actress who I believe you found out was like buried in near where you live, which is yeah. an odd coincidence. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all roads the, lead to Columbus. The show <laughs> would have been much better with with her having a greater role on it. It's a shame that it wasn't able to happen. Maybe, or maybe she would have just got caught by the Berman Claws and, you know. She, too, would have been sexually exploited in this episode. Certainly none of the other female cast were spared their dignity. She had a big plan. She was going to be walking down the hall when an anomaly was going to hit and uh, throw her to the ceiling and her pants were going to shoot off like a fucking Three Stooges bit. It's like the, it's the Patrick Stewart. Oh, I just take the their clothes are gone. I've already seen everything. Uh, <laughs> so... The mission is they're going to like an aqua planet that has this big like sea world dock. And th- there is a nice shot of Enterprise like from below and you see the shuttle go to the planet and they're there to meet a chemist who they had spoken to earlier who claimed to have a formula for synthesizing this trillium D substance that they have found out is really good material to have apparently on your hull so that you can not have it uh, be spatially rearranged Twist your fucking face off like that dude. How cool that it's a planet that's just water world and flotilla cities that are merchant hubs. Yeah. Neat flavor. They explain flavor. nothing and it just makes it like, okay, this place has a good atmosphere. Nobody owns it. Cause it's just a big ocean for all we know, you know, there might be some fucking, Tom Paris wet dream sea life underneath there, but spaceships just float here and we basically treat it like the uh, city of Freeport and EverQuest. <laughs> we had a bunch of pushy uh, vendors. Also, slavery is legal, so get ready for that. And uh, hey, you want to buy some chickens? You want to buy some chickens? Do you want to buy some people? You can buy either here. Want to buy an egg? Someone like offers them an egg and then you want to buy little- Coke? Yeah, there's a quote unquote chemist. We got that. Like, come on. Yeah, that that quote unquote chemist sniffing everything. Okay. They go to meet him. I love the chemist. The chemist is the protagonist of this episode. He's perfectly helpful. He's he provides the recipe for the the stuff in exchange for for barter. He even says like, I hey, there was some Zindi here. I heard you're interested. Let me I'll I'll add that. To the to the pile of stuff that we're going to upsell over. you, yeah, upsell you. And in the end, uh, you know what he was looking for? He was looking for uh, eleven herbs and spices. This motherfucker wants to make some Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he's going to need some salt. He's Just looking for a pepper, little nose candy. That's all. A little cayenne, you know. Like, I love this guy. He they make the deal. You're like, what the fuck is he go- going for? And then Trip pulls the the suitcase around and shows it to him. And goes, wars on my planet have been fought over these, and it's spices. And it's like, it, what a great flavor win! Yeah, I bet this shit would be wild to someone from another planet that's never experienced it. Trip you know? would lay on him and be like, you know, he who controls the spices controls the universe. Mm-hmm. 
perhaps the most wild thing about this chemist is that in the end, like, you know, armed thugs don't just show up and try and accost them. I feel like this is the first clean transaction that Enterprise has been able to have. Yes. <laughs> like, they trade for what they asked for, and they got what they asked for. They even, even gives them warnings, like, hey, it's going to be liquid. It's going to be super volatile. Follow the directions. Otherwise, it will explode. But, you know, like, he's he's pretty helpful, all things considered. He's probably the most helpful person they've met in the entirety of the Delphi Expanse so far. So let's talk about the Trillium D real quick here. Um, It is a must have. You know, if you do not have Trillium D insulation on your hull in the Telfic Expanse, it's not just, you know, innocent things like coffee cups floating upside down waiting to make a mess. Like faces can get ripped off. Engines can blow up. Klingons can get turned inside out. Klingons can get turned inside out. Vulcans can uh, create community theater event horizon. It's a bad time. So this Trillium D, super important. You had the mining colony, the slave colony that uh, that Captain Planet villain was running. Harvesting it where it's basically asbestos and it's given everybody cancer and sick. Finding out that you could synthesize it. Like, why have a slave planet where you're mining the stuff? I think a little bit more emphasis had to be put on the fact that, like, it takes really advanced technologies to be able to synthesize this stuff. And also, yeah, it's like working with uh, fucking dynamite. So I know. And I think that that's that's established here. It's like uh, uh, coal being liquidized into oil. That's a real technology that exists and was actually developed in the forties. Okay. So we've always had the capacity to take coal, which is extremely common substance. And, you know, you could kick over a rock in North America and find coal, coal somewhere and turn it into something much more valuable and much more rare, which is oil. But if you are to do that, it's going to take time. It's going to take a ton of energy and it's going to take a technological uh, investment to do so. And so doing so ends up driving up the costs per unit of having the oil through that source. And Trillium D is treated in much the same way. It's a very neat detail. Um, but while they're at Freeport here, uh, they go to uh, the merchant that apparently the Zindi vi- uh, visited uh, when they were there and they come across the ho train <laughs> space hooters yes they go to the go to the slaver the local slaver the local neighborhood friendly slaver who's a dude who has like a butt head like it's like two giant wrinkly ass cheeks and he's like got a code head what's that this. okay uh, this dude's straight up mojo jojo from powerpuff girls you're right he's a, no- a non-monkey version of mojo jojo you're right if it wasn't an exposed brain behind a glass dome, like conceptually, this guy looks like uh, Mojo Jojo with some minimal revisions. Or Kaya D. Mundi from Star Wars. You know, the uh, Jedi with the big cone head. Yeah. I, I, the, the, the butt cheekiness having like uh, membraned ripples is, is, I think, makes it a little bit more Mojo Jojo along with uh, the charisma this guy's got. So... Freeport's an interesting city in that anything goes, all of people's wares are out on display, 
And as we'll find out that when push comes to shove, nobody's going to ultimately have your back, which makes Mojo Jojo's business venture extremely um, questionable to have like all of your very attractive space hookers laying about the place. And at any given point, it's one space pimp versus whatever Nausicans might blow through there looking to like take what's yours. I guess, you know, he's got a gat for himself, but that doesn't seem like very much. There's not like collars on these girls. They're just hanging out, looking sexy. You know, this, uh, the slaver tries to first sell Archer on the, uh, I guess is a, no, it wasn't the lizard girl. They said that's what the Zindi bought. The Zindi bought two like lizard women just to, to sell her on uh, some other sort of green skinned sex worker. Who, Interesting. Who no lines, she's there. just she's just supposed to sit there looking seductive like, mm, yes. Uh, if you thought that false prophets, which we titled under boob for days. Was uh, the most extreme under boob bikini outfits that you're going to see in Star Trek. You're wrong because along comes this thing. And how crazy is it that this episode gets so much more shamelessly provocative skinamaxy that I forgot these hookers even fucking existed. Yeah, like this is the this is the entry level of the sexual exploitation. We'll see just a bunch of ladies in skin tight revealing clothing lounging about looking hot in weird alien makeup. That's what the shot is. And of course the centerpiece is a lady that can only be described as being in sparkly lingerie standing seductively in the background, making eyes at Archer the whole time. And uh, that is the titular Rajin. And, uh, the slaver tries to, to, to sell her to Archer. Archer's like, I fucking her the whole time, but it's like, no, I gotta go. I have to go do other things that aren't here because I, I have to do them. And on their way out, wouldn't you know it? She tries to escape into his arms and the slaver comes up, tries to say, Hey, merchandise, bring it back. Archer says, no, I am a, a gallant gentleman. She does not want to be with you. She wants to leave, and I'm going to facilitate that. And rather than his security chief intervening to protect the captain, he's like, nah, I know my boss needs a few head wounds here. <laughs> uh, so get a, you know, throw him through a wall and, you know, these punch pretty each other ladies aren't really his thing, but you pop him a couple <laughs> fresh ones across a jaw. This dude's going to be rock. Hard. Yeah, it's like, don't worry. He's 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 just getting this is foreplay for later for him. You know, he's Archer gonna think goes, about these head wounds later. Archer goes, listen, Mojo Jojo. From Pokemon to Playboy models, I'm there to white knight and will be the evil man to get between me and Milady. So uh <laughs> They get in this fist fight and someone else's stall and totally fucking trash the place. And this is why I'm telling you, uh, Waterworld's a bad place to do business. <laughs> and I got a feeling while Mojo Jojo's getting his ass beat, all the rest of his space hoes are like fucking just taking off. 
Oh, he's gone. Let's get out of here, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. This uh, is a bad business model. This was a yeah. bad day for his uh, his assistant hokeep. There to is not no, show there are no town guards showing up to aggro in the neutral city when the horde fights the alliance around here. Yeah, and this is how are, you know this isn't a real Sony rendition of Freeport because those guards. What's his name? Sergeant Steel. Was that it? I, I never played EverQuest as a wild WoW guy, so this would be like going to Gadget Stand and there being no fucking. Uh, I think it was Sergeant Steel. That dude killed me a lot. Uh, <laughs> EverQuest is a very racist game. They did not like the Dark Elves. <laughs> Playboy model is really the only way to describe this lady, too. Like the yeah. that look. Maybe that's why the making mention of her mom is the primary thing in her memory alpha entry. But she's uh, descended from it and it shows. I mean, and I don't yeah. mean that in an insulting way. It is a look. It's a look. She's got it. I thought she was going to be more telepathic than she ended up because the exchange that she has while Archer's like locked eyes with her. I figured she was like telepathying. Um, Please help me. I have info on the Zindi. You must whatever. Yeah, it's just real straight up like seduction powers is, I think, the way to describe it. She can just kind of enchant. Entrancement. Yeah, she can entrance people. And uh, she worked that magic and got the White Knight activation and they they bounce with her. And when we return to Enterprise, she's already on the bio bed in, in sickbay. And her entrancement powers are good enough that even Phlox is like feeling a little uncomfortable, kind of like shifting his his feet being a little bashful, uh, but says yeah, she's I don't know her species, but she's in good health. She identifies herself as Rajan. Uh, she, you know, says that she's ready to fuck the captain whenever he wants. And he's like, nah, we don't do slavery. Uh, that's cool. We'll get you guest quarters and then we'll take you back to your own planet, I guess. Like, why not? You know, we're good guys. And she says, thank you. And, you know, that. That's he mentions if you would like to explore the ship, you're welcome to do so. And then she says, well, do you have any um, sort of uh, erotic lingerie stores or other places where I could buy strip club attire? And he's like, well, yeah, absolutely. Actually, Deck 3 has a um, Cirilla's, which is the local. Crewman Cutler just died and she was a real <laughs> hoe. So you can just raid her closet. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I don't know if they have like uh, <clears throat> some sort of early access replicators that are able yeah, to. The, the fact that she has access to a bunch of clothing that seems extraordinarily inappropriate to wear on a Starfleet vessel um, seems a bit much, but uh, it is still better than what she starts with. I guess that's really all I can say. Maybe that'll be the next poll that we put up. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 outfit was the was the least acceptable? Um, they have a meal, and you know it's when Rajan makes it clear, like, yes, I'm a sex slave. You know, I've had a lot of owners. And the last time I was on a starship, I was stuck in the cargo hold, except to go bang the captain. It's what I do, and uh, you know, Archer is trying to be as hard as possible to be a gentleman while also being hard as possible. Uh, and it's the whole like shortness of breath, a lot of hesitation, but he's he's fighting off the urge. And fortunately for him, he gets a call down to talk to uh, Trip and to Paul, 
who have said, I think we've got the code cracked on making the Trillium D, but this shit can get very spicy. So we're going to set up a lab in like the safe from explodey part of the ship. So then just in case this breaks bad, we don't, you know, turn our ship into a, a meth house. <laughs> now, if this was the USS house. Voyager. Yeah, it would be right. It's a warp core. Obviously. <laughs> obviously, it would be next to the warp core and seven of nine would then shoot it up mm-hmm. you know, in that order. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, really a big fat gold star to the writing team on this for diverting from the tried and true Voyager style. We've got a crazy science experiment. Let's do it right next to the doomsday machine. Not on the NX-01, boys. <laughs> We're doing this someplace <laughs> safe. We've got some OSHA guidelines. We've, it's, it's all been read in the past. We want some check marks here. Um, it was very obvious very quickly to me that Rajan was a spy. Oh, sure. They're not trying to hide it. Yeah, they're not trying to hide anything, both in terms of costuming or portrayal here. Uh, they have that little dinner. Like you said, Archer excuses himself. We check back into uh, Trip and... Uh, is that where the explosion actually happens, or does that come later? It comes later. This is when they cut back then to he Archer's chilling in his office, and she comes by, and we get the first seduction scene. And I think she's already in a new outfit by that point, too, like an even that is more correct. scandalous booby outfit. Comes in. Hey, Captain. I just want to talk. Can we talk? You know, just as, as seductive as possible. And, you know, sure enough, Archer's like, yeah, we can talk. I want to get up right next to you. I want to thank you. That's unnecessary. No, don't worry. I'm just going to start making out with you anyway and rub my hands all over you. Let me show you my mutant power. I can uh, shoot x-rays all over the fucking place and create what's actually a pretty cool visual effect where as she moves her glowing mutant hands up and down Archer's body, we see a cool anatomical view of Archer through his skin. And we will later come to find out that what this is doing is presumably uh, it's an innate racial ability she has to probe other organics and collect biometric data on them. That or <clears throat> I don't think it would be. No, because they already paint like a, a picture that she's very biologically advanced with her uh, very complicated iris setup. Yeah, she's a a complicated organism, you know. I think it would have been cool if she was a Beta Z or Beta Beta Z or Beta Zoid. Beta Z. Beta Zoid. Beta Z -Z is the name of the planet. Right. Um, This would have been a cool introduction to that race, especially seeing the first contact between Earth and uh, a Beta Zoid being an evil spy causing problems for the first captain of the enterprise. I will say, I mean, I'm I'm trying not to talk about the show much anymore since you and I are going to review it in some capacity, but one great thing about Picard season three is I think it's the very first time I've seen beta Zoid powers portrayed in a way that makes sense. Like the writers are like, Oh, we should probably do justice to this idea. They make perfect sense. Um, Yeah. The ability to swing a space pipe and murder another man. 
uh, you know, that's, stuff them into a plasma locker so there's nothing. Just the put them left. in the wall. That yeah. that makes perfect sense. And Lon Suter <laughs> introduced us to those core beta Z, uh, beta zoid concepts perfectly. So it's true. Rest in peace, Lon. <laughs> so she starts probing him, and there's a cool visual trick they play here. And, and hats off to Mike Viger because as she's going up and down his head. As she's probing his spine, I really like the spine shots where they show what's going underneath there. She gets what she wants, and suddenly there's this snap, and she's not there with her hands on him. They're on opposite sides of the room, and they paint it off like uh, Archer's just been daydreaming about naughty time with uh, alien playboy. And she's like, cool, thanks. Uh, I'm going to go walk around if that's all right. And he's like, yeah. Go ahead. And Sarge just stood there like, I haven't been this blue bolt since that Vulcan choked me and I didn't complete. You know? I was <laughs> thrown about my own office and <laughs> slapped like a disobedient child. Uh, that's when you have the explosion in the Trillium D lab. So the stuff is tricky. They hadn't quite dialed in how to make it. They blow up the little canister. like a little frustrated. And that's when Paul's like, let's try again in the morning. But before that, Come on, my quarters. I want you to get some good sleep. So I'm going to have to get into Jerky my, off. Get, get into my child's uniform and, mm-hmm. and touch you a bunch. And Trip's like, oh, gosh, well, I have to see the hot my hot coworker and no clothing. You know, feel me up. I suppose I will. You know, in the old days, you have to pay attractive women to touch you like this. This scene, and I hate saying it. But I have to acknowledge the precedent that's been set. And what's really missing in these science experiment scenes, and there's no way to avoid it, is Reed. Yeah. We have used Reed, and, I, and I've criticized and said that the science people here, the, the smartest people doing experimental shit should be exactly these two. And unfortunately, the only time we get to see them is when they have to work together before going off to their steamy, you know, personal romance. But I've had two seasons of being told that Reed's the guy to be involved in this stuff. Yeah, and he's a mechanical I, genius. He's good at it. Not just mechanical things. software, too. I mean, this guy's overclocking phasers, making shields, hot wiring ship phasers. I almost think he would have added something interesting to the seed in being an annoying third wheel. And like maybe these- like emphasizing the assumption that of of everyone that they're in the other relationship, which they use like that as background to yeah. say like Reed said something shitty to trip, but not actually on screen. Yeah. Or just have him stand on screen. How about that? Do that instead. <laughs> I mean, he's already a fucking annoying piece of shit or have him be this annoying third wheel and it clear that they would like to be alone with each other and kind of force them to admit that there might be something more there. I don't know, but you've still established him as the intellectual powerhouse on the ship. And for something as important as synthesizing this Trillium D, he should probably be there. Or maybe he could have been there, you know, with his new fangled uh, EM shields that could have like, protected the explosion from going out further. The next scene we get is the, the, I guess I will say this. Hoshi's dignity is, is preserved better than anyone else's. So 
Rajan is like fucking with the transporter. Hoshi Which, comes by. Real, so here's my SOP recommendation for Starfleet in this one. The transporter shouldn't just be in the fucking hallway. Yes. Yeah. Put that in a room. Have someone there. Call them the transporter chief. That way people can't just wander up to it. That way, if you have to beam the captain who has turned into a werewolf up and you're worried about biocontamination, like you can just lock the door and things will be a little bit more chill. Uh, But yeah, Rajan's like, oh, this is a transporter. I'm going to learn how to work this now. And suddenly, uh, surprise, a wild Hoshi appears and says, hey, (laughs) hi. I'm also in this episode. Hello. Hi. Do you remember me? And she's not talking to Raj and she's talking to you, the audience. She goes, my name's Hoshi. I'm, I'm on this show, too. Remember me? <laughs> I do. She was in last week's episode as a weird monster person. <laughs> I want to be on screen. What can I do to be on screen? And the Rajan's like, well, we can have um, a little lesbian moment real quick. And she's like, yes, please. <laughs> I need to pay my rent. Give me I that. Mean, we- we 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 can we can say that she got to keep her clothes on, you know. She didn't have to kiss anybody. She didn't have her hands, anyone's hands on her. Uh, so she had, she got that going for her. But yeah, they're like, oh, I want to learn your tongue. Can I learn your tongue in my tongue? I mean, the the vibe was unquestionable. So they they fade to black on that by having the turbo lift close on those two, and then finally. We arrive at the main event, and that is Rajan visiting to Paul. That is uh, let's call it for what it is, and it's Rajan basically raping to Paul. Yes, which yes. for anybody who's keeping track at home, this is now the second time to uh, Paul has had someone psychically force themselves on her. This time being considerably less violent, and judging by the fact that they made sure her nipples were hard through her little thin shirt while she's being like sensually touched and told to just let it happen and don't fight it. And that's a quote. Yes, it is. This is it. This is this is what I'm talking about when I talk about late stage Berman. We're not. We're not like scolds. We're not moral scolds. We're, we're, we, we enjoy the nineties hotties. We, we get it. You do a little eye candy. Keep, keep, keep it interesting. And then regarding nothing wrong with something beautiful. We're with you. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Like what, what is this aside from just straight up exploitation? This is on just one side of the coin. Core, this is super soft core porn. This is what you're making on one side of the coin. You have super sexually aggressive Jolene Blaylock who is slathered up in grease and forcing herself on flocks because it hurts and she needs the D. And then on the other side of the coin, you have, uh, again, super erect nipples, heavy, sultry breathing, uh, play rape scene between her and Rajin. And then along comes, speaking of white knights, here comes a trip ringing the doorbell because he wants his free massage. And nobody answers. So he rings the doorbell again and nobody answers. And at this point, like uh, the doorbell's like bringing to Paul out of her hypnotism. And she's like, no, you know, no, me, no, stop, get off me. And then Trip like rings the doorbell three more times. And it's like, all right, dude, like she just almost died in an explosion. Maybe she's in the shower. (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe chill. she fell asleep. Like, I get you want your fucking back massage, but like you're being a little pushy here to the point where he asks the bridge where she's at. They say she's in there and he just overrides the fucking security code and just goes in her goddamn like that's how bad he wants that back rub. The idea that he would think that something bad enough happened to her that he's going to force his way in is uh, a, a big return to the old jump to conclusion map. But he walks in. Sure enough, she's laid out on the floor. He runs over to check on her. And now the super top secret A++ baddie spy bitch who could have just slipped out the door and ran off, jumps from the shadows, screams at him. Throws a vase at his head like he's Archer. <laughs> Busts him over the head and then like shrieks and runs off into the night. It isn't even super effective at actually stopping Trip. He's like stunned, not knocked unconscious. She could have jumped on him with her like fucking electric eel hands and like sexed him up and, you know, put him in the put him in the sexy zone and yeah, got his bio- out. Maybe tied him up. So Tied up to Paul, she runs. There is a chase scene. She she seduces uh, the first guard that she runs into, grabs her face pistol. We get plenty of Reed in this episode once again, holding his gun like a Nancy boy. Like I just no one's telling him he's fucking this up, I guess. Like, you know, like waving around and pointing it like you would point like a, a conductor's baton instead of treating it like a weapon. You would think that this gun he's holding is a hot curling iron and he wants to keep it as far away from his body and that holding it hurts. So he only holds it with a couple fingers at a time. It's so weird. And I can't help but notice every time he's on screen with the fucking thing, just like here, bro, hold it like this. All right. It's not hard. People have been doing this with weapons in media forever. Especially once like he's got Mako's running behind him and they actually know how to hold a gun. It just makes him look even worse. So there's this pretty good running gun where you find out that uh, despite her completely buffoon ideas to bust trip over the head with a fucking potted plant or whatever, and then run off screaming in the night, like she clowns a lot of security guards. There's a really weird catwalks like she's it. I thought for a second, maybe I was watching the prequel to John Wick. (laughs) There was a stunt. Where she jumps off a catwalk in engineering, like shoots the phaser up into the air, John Woo style, and then lands flat on her back. Like that was the plan. Like, yes, my padded back. That is where I'm going to land on this this stunt. It does work in a weird way, but it was also very strange. And I want to say for the record too, this uh, was her name, Nikita. You contrast her with whoever they brought in for Precious Cargo. Oh, yeah. LaFemme Nikita here is definitely a way better actress. <laughs> no doubt about it. And for being very attractive and like good at the sexual, sensual scenes that they put her in, like they're ridiculous scenes, but she does a good job portraying them. When they have her go into like this action killer mode, uh, it's all plausible. And I think she sells it very well. Yeah, she pulls it down. And, and it's uh, not it's not uh, Shakespeare they're having her produce. But when you take Reed, who's cast as the fucking guns guy for Star Trek Enterprise, and she's running around looking more competent than he does on screen, 
credit where credit's due. I will say that, you know, hmm. what's the right way to put this? Lefemme Nikita is definitely cast in this episode for her looks, but she also delivers on what she's being asked to do very well. And that was actually Scott Bakula's quote about it was you know, there was two quotes from actors in this one is Dominic Keating going like that girl was so hot. I forgot my lines literally. And then second was Scott Bakula, a man with more class was like, yeah, she was really asked to play like a Mara hot, hottie, uh, you know, spy seductress. She really, I was asked to do a lot and she did a great job in the episode. And the, I, I agree with Scott Bakula in this regard. Uh, whatever shade we're throwing here as regards to the construction and choices and shall we say shallowness of the appeal, it is Mm. not the actress's fault. She actually does a very good job. I think there is enough cool stuff going on with her in terms of her alien powers, her looks, uh, her, uh, adeptness with action sequences. And I think they build enough, Um, bad history because by the end she's very clearly has a fond viewpoint of Enterprise right yeah Archer's white knighting nobody taking advantage or exploiting her and learning to whatever degree she can about the crew like by the end she's trying to pump the brakes on what the Zindi are planning yeah and gives up some information too um, of her own free will I'm really hoping that she becomes a reoccurring character because I think that would be neat for her to cross paths with enterprise again and try to atone for uh, taking advantage and, you know, effectively raping several members of the crew. Uh, The aftermath of said uh, sexual, uh, sexual ish exploitation uh, is revealed. And unfortunately for, uh, to Paul, she's basically in a bit of a coma at the moment because it was particularly harsh on her because she resisted. But Flox feels like she's got it fixed. But this doesn't sense Archer enough that she goes down to the he goes down to the brig, getting their money starts, out of them new sets quick. Man starts interrogating her rather forcefully, trying to get some information which she seems hesitant to provide. Uh, but soon enough, the people she was trying to contact get off the ship, make themselves known. And Reed relates that the biosigns on the ships are, in fact, Zindi reptilians, which they know because that was the uh, race of the species that uh, was uh, piloting the probe that killed 7 million people, which Archer says very clearly. So it's go time. It's their first military conflict with the Zindi. Power the, 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 the weapons, get the whole plating online. Let's throw down. Let's do this. Yeah, let's throw down. Here's some criticisms. Two ships are creeping up on uh, Enterprise's ass to go fuck him up. Archer spends as long as he possibly can down in the brig, getting absolutely no information from this prisoner. Um, They know that these guys are probably coming over there to rescue her. So why there aren't Makos like covering every inch of the corridor between the brig and the airlock is beyond me. And I feel like they got a free pass back in the space pirate episode for not being ready for this kind of nonsense when they saw bad guys coming up. 
to the point where I wasn't even considering like, hmm, maybe these fucking 30 Marines should be out, you know, patrolling. Like, you know, when Warship Voyager had uh, Kazon guardsmen standing on the bridge with rifles, like at that point, this is what Enterprise should be doing. And I feel like they really get caught flat footed. And I almost wanted to see like Archer tear read a new asshole on why the ship was so poorly prepared for a boarding party. Well, the I mean, it's a classic problem. All of your guys with promotions are slightly wounded, so you can't deploy them on this mission. So you're stuck mm. with rookies. Rookies yeah. with assault rifles and no good armor. <laughs> that was the problem. Was like if they had had some of their the lieutenants, captains, or colonels there, you know, they'd have the plasma guns. They have like the, the all the perks. Then you wouldn't have that issue. But they had to take the rookies. And these guys, they have the base level tech and they are shitty shots and they didn't take like one moon wound and they fall the fuck over. And sure enough, when the Zindi uh, show up, it is the reptiles and the insects and they are. Are there insects? Yeah. There's really? a shot of the insects. They do. They shoot like the web gun down the hall and hit oh, a guy. Oh, the bugger gun? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, right. It was web gun. So this attack happens. Yeah, this 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 fucking gunfight is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. They blow the airlock door out. And again, they knew where these guys are going. So the fact there's only three Marines ready to go uh, is very silly. But you get a run and gun through the, the ship where Zindi boarding parties force their way in. We get a look at these god awful costumes we were talking about before where the uh, the Galaxy Quest bad guys storm in and they have these purple jet purple gel glitter bodysuits. Yes. I'm looking at it right now. That's a good description. It's not a fetching look. It I mean look- the makeup, the makeup on the face and all of that, that's good. It's kind of got this weird like tentacles coming out the top. That's good. I like the makeup. I like the rifles. Rifles have a real mass effect look to them, actually. Mm-hmm. And their bodysuits completely ha- suck ass. They're awful. They look like they could have been like touring outfits for the Bengals. Agreed. They could have been dancing to walk like an Egyptian in those things. And they rip a line of destruction from the airlock back to that brig. And apparently the Makos set their weapons to tickle because <laughs> they just hit them and does nothing. <laughs> they. They go down. You see a very clear distinction between uh, hero character phasers and no name phasers. Yes. Where like Marines and Enterprise security guys will like put two to three shots directly on the attacking Zindi to no effect before these guys get zapped and the, the humans get taken out. Whereas like Archer is just one shot bingoing people. Because he, his, I don't know, his, he's got the good tech. He's got the laser rifle. Maybe those uh, generic security guys, they're rookies and they made mistakes and they didn't like charge their phasers overnight. So they came in at like 15% battery and like low battery mode had kicked in, which like just sets it to tickle. Uh, the Zindi have some very interesting weapons. There was the aforementioned web gun. Yep. Uh, I really like the snot launcher so this thing shoots a booger to the wall and then the security guy's like hmm what's that and then the booger just blows 
needle spores out that just rip three people apart, basically. I'm assuming a lot of people die on this raid. I They don't actually say, do they? No, it's a crazy ending on this. Yeah, it uh, just ends. Just very suddenly. They They march their way down. They blow up the brig. Uh, surprise, Enterprise, jailbreak episodes go two ways. <laughs> Sometimes jail, the jail that is broken is yours. Mm-hmm. And, and they're escorting the VIP out. And uh, again, the action's good. A lot of guns, a lot of co- shoot from cover. You know, like a lot of the details that we actually at, talked a whole bunch of shit about on this show in prior seasons. So all the gunfights this season have been excellent. And this is no exception. And the, the, I guess the big moment at the end is that one of the Zindi reptiles get, decides to hang back and like try and give Archer some head wounds because he sees he's like, oh, I know you're blue balls, man. Let me get you Jay out here mm-hmm. and like gets into a rough and tumble with him and gets subdued by a shock tonfa on the part of one of the Makos. And so they have a prisoner as well as his weapons. And, but the rest of them get away. They go back the way they came and then they bounce. They leave. They do not fuck around any further. Um, and then th- when we say this, then it suddenly ends. That's basically it. Because there's a shot at the Legion of Doom where they talking about how. Well, no, they enterprise. Uh, they get back to the med bay. And Archer's like, okay, well, no, DePaul- it, we'll get to that. Oh, is that actually after? Yeah, so they do the, uh, I'm not sure, I don't remember which order they go in, but the two scenes are one on Enterprise and then one on on, uh, the Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom is, they bring in Rajin because she's got the data on humans' biology so they can make the bioweapon. Well, it's a surprise, right? Yeah, because the the other three races were like, why the fuck you do that? We voted that down. How you could have exposed us. You could have gotten found out. This could have gone poorly. But they're like, no, well, we, we raided them and we got the data. We needed to have a backup plan. We're actually fucking brilliant. So, again, this is where I'm confused. The weapon I had assumed was going to be a Death Star laser to blow up Earth. Correct. That is what Degra is working on. When he this had his the lab explode. I th- I thought that what they were saying is basically no. Actually, the weapon we've been working on this whole time is uh, a bio weapon. We're making no, that's the backup plan. The, that's the backup plan. Yeah, the reptiles want to build the backup plan. The Zindi primates want to make the laser. Okay, and they go well. You know, now we've got uh, Rajan, and she's got biological data on the humans, and now we can go into season six of Voyager or was it seven and the Borg queen can have her grand plan to introduce space aids to earth in the rain with chemtrails. <laughs> like seriously, like they just, they just did a, the alien bad guys want a bio weapon earth. I, I feel like it's too soon to be tapping this button again. Uh, I would have liked to see, <clears throat> maybe I don't know the sea the the sea world people be like well you just fucking attacked enterprise and killed like 12 people why didn't you just take a couple captive back here like we don't need lefem nikita's 
biological data. We could have just brought like test subjects. If if you're gonna fucking attack Enterprise, bring back Archer. Archer was right there at the fucking airlock. You could have just kidnapped his ass. What are you what are you fucking idiots doing? Like that's the kind of level of dissent I want in the Legion of Doom where they're just openly calling each other on their fucking stupid moves. And then this the shot the scene back at uh, Enterprise well, is real that quick. Yeah. Nikita's like, no, the humans are nice, leave them alone. And then she gets dragged off. Yes. Very quickly. Like, oh, get she's her also, here by the way. She- um, turns out before they put her out in front of the uh, tribunal, they let her go ahead and jump into Seven of Nine's old Leotard collection so she can show up in one last extremely form-fitting, leave nothing to the imagination outfits. But at least this one covers covers her, even if it is still very flattering. Um, then they go back to Enterprise and we find out that the one guy they grabbed apparently had a genetically enhanced suicide gland kill him killed himself rather than be able to be interrogated and archer's pretty pissed because you know these dudes stormed in their weapons were shit hot they're they were able to shrug off uh phaser shots and then they bounced using some sort of weird spatial vortex so all of this is added up to bad times and they stole his new girlfriend yeah and they they order he orders everyone to do their jobs and he's pissed and then the episode is just over so um it, it certainly moves the plot forward. It does a lot to develop the actual season three plot. So I don't mark it down for that, but late stage Berman, I, the, the, the super leaning hard on getting the teenage eyeballs on this by having as many boobies as possible. And as much seduction, close talking, touchy feely, super soft core porn nonsense. I don't like it. That's not what I watched Star Trek for. And it can go fuck off. Can you think of any other big name sci-fi property that acts this shameless in terms of uh, sophomore sex play? Firefly? To the Firefly point where there's leans like, in a little bit harder to it. Um, but I wouldn't even, I mean, that's a fraction of the size of, of Star Trek in terms of its, you know, cult- cultural imprint. Um. It's so, also supposed to be that way because it's just a space western. I mean, this is this is bad. Yeah, it's real bad. I, it's and I, I'm going to say again, I'm willing to take this entry and the level of loot, the level of blue they go with her forcing herself on everybody and really making herself into a a, a nuisance, borderline rapist if they're going to bring this character back out and force her to confront her actions and do something with this, where this episode becomes important and it's not all just a throwaway trick sex, uh, gimmick episode. Bad news. Come on. Really? Yeah. I mean, there is some, some commentary from within Nikita where she's like, oh, maybe I'll be able to come back because they kind of indicated that that might happen. We'll see what happens. And then just never did. That's a big miss, man. Like, I wonder if this episode was just really received poorly at the time and they're like, eh, back off of it. But I felt like, again, if you're going to bring someone on, give them this much screen time and have them like really get a one over on Enterprise to this level, uh, it would have deserved to be brought back around. So big miss. All right, sir, what do we watch next week? We're going to be moving into season three, episode five. 
impulse. There's like a bent up space twig. Maybe that's a Vulcan ship. I can't tell. After finding. Oh, yep. <laughs> After finding the drifting hull of a Vulcan cruiser inside an asteroid field, Captain Archer and his crew are surprised to find Vulcans alive on it. When they are stranded there, they must find out what happened to the crew before T'Pol comes to the same fate. This is what I want. This is exactly what I want. This sounds badass, and I'm fucking ready. Yeah, we take a hard shift in quality here, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. This this is going to tickle a lot of the Peter-specific senses, you know? Mm. And if you want to listen to Peter himself get rock hard from industrial accidents, you can join us on Future Please anytime, anywhere, every week on Thursday. Join us on Patreon. Join us on Facebook. Join us on Discord. Join us on Twitter. Email us at VGPlease at gmail.com. Have we had anything good recently on the email? Uh, we did. Uh, you know, that's, I'm glad you 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 asked. Uh, we had a fan who sent us an email uh, that recently apparently found the show. His name is Alex. And so shout out to you, man. I appreciate you doing that. And uh, he seems to be a newer Trek fan. So he really talked about how he kind of got introduced to Trek. And he's been to some recent Star Trek fan conventions, particularly in uh, in Chicago area, apparently. And that, you know, he's he's a little soft on new Trek like a lot of us, but he likes Orville and that sort of thing. So hell yeah, dude. Uh, much obliged, sir. Thanks for sending us uh, such a long email and, and letting us know that you're your fan and, and what your thoughts on Trek are and everyone's welcome to engage with us. Discord's actually been much more active lately. So uh, I have a permanent link on the Facebook group for that. And for the Facebook group, if you want to get in the discord, if you want to do anything, email is great. I do check that all the time. Again, Vijra, please at gmail.com. You can DM, DM me on Twitter at Vijra, please. Uh, or you can find us on at Facebook at Vijra, please. And hopefully we'll see you somewhere. Peace. Peace.